It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we Welcome in, everybody. Yeah. Episode 697. To the podcast in Assuming America, the Air Tour Sports Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, April 14th, 2023. People, I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day and for what should be the final one for a while. I think we got ourselves an all basketball Friday episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. I will be honest, the plan initially was to do a little football. We got some spring games this weekend, Ohio State, Georgia, USC. But there is so much going on in college basketball right now that it felt like let's do one more college basketball show before we start to transition to spring football, NFL draft, all that good stuff. Today's show, pretty straightforward, three standalone segments. We are going to start with the stay or go NBA draft decisions, okay? Adama Sinogo, Azulis Tubelis, Anthony Black, a bunch of guys have announced whether they're staying, whether they're going, Chris Living. We're going to discuss all of them over the course of the next 10 or 12 minutes. Take a quick break. And by the way, not who's staying, who's going, and what it means for their teams. Uh, From there, take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk some transfer portal news and notes. The portal is humming right now. Hunter Dickinson is taking visits this weekend. Ryan Nemhart is taking visits this weekend. Max A. Smith. Feels like we're starting to get some clarification on where he will end up. We'll discuss all of that. Uh, Also, some commitments, by the way. Arkansas, two big commitments this week. Kentucky sort of got a commitment out of of the portal as a key player has announced they'll return. And then finally, we will wrap the show. It's been a while, but our season ending, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, hitting on my best and worst college basketball takes of 2023. Busy show, fun show, lot to get to, but with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, listen, like I said, it is that time of year, and I get that the portal is fun and fascinating and interesting, and there's so much going on, but when you talk about impact things that are going to happen and going to impact college basketball next year, I don't think there's anything more impactful than the important players that are announcing right now whether they are going to stay or go. So let's rip through four or five of them that have made their decisions. And let's start with the reigning national champion, the current national champion, UConn Huskies, where on Thursday, 
as I told you he would, Adama Sinogo, the tournament most outstanding player, will declare for the NBA draft. Now, it's important to note, he is leaving the option open to return to college basketball, but I told you on Wednesday, and I'll tell you again, his intent is to go pro, is to start earning professional money, and I think we've probably seen the last of Adama Sinogo in college. Again, we talked about it on Wednesday show. You got to pay close attention to the Torres because I give you some good stuff that you're not getting anywhere else. But let's get into Adama Sinogo because, like I said, third time, last time, I do believe that we have probably seen the last of him. And if we have, let me just say this. A UConn legend just walked out the door and a player that I believe will go down as one of the most revered players in program history, because when you think about Adama Sanogo at UConn, and for those of you who aren't UConn fans, I'm not going to go too deep into this, but you got to think about who he is, where he came from, and when he committed. I remember exactly where he was and how it went down when he committed. It was right after the world shut down during COVID in the spring of 2020. He announced he was going to reclassify. I won't bore you with too many details, but the recruitment looked like it was going to come down to UConn and Seton Hall, and all the early intel was, He's going to Seton Hall. And remember, UConn's coming off of a season where they wouldn't have made the NCAA tournament the year before they had a losing record. And so it would have made sense for Adama Sanogo to go to Seton Hall. Instead, he shocks everybody, commits to UConn. UConn Nation is going crazy. But he was really one of the first guys, along with James Booknight, who's now in the NBA, Andre Jackson, who committed to this school, believed in the vision. And remember, he committed before they had ever played a game in the Big East as a Big East member. And so the significance of getting a player like that, that your Big East rivals wanted, Dan Hurley has said many times, when I got to UConn, they didn't look like UConn basketball players. In other words, we didn't have guys that look like how UConn basketball players should look. And Adama Sanogo was one of the first ones that had real legitimate options, could have gone to a lot of different places and chose the Huskies. What was especially cool, though, is this. It was fun to watch him develop over the last three years. And this is something I think old school college basketball fans love. We still get a little bit of it, but we don't get as much as we used to. But this kid came in as an 18-year-old, seven points per game as a freshman. You could tell the speed of the game is a little bit fast for him. Then last year, really good, about 14.5 points per game. Then this year, he blows up. Big East player, or, you know, 17.5 points per game, whatever. Wasn't the Big East player of the year. That was Tyler Kolick. But then just had an NCAA tournament for the ages. 17-10 and 10 versus San Diego State in the title game. 21-10 and 10 with two blocks versus Miami. 18-8 uh, and eight against Arkansas. 24-8 and eight against St. Mary's. And so you think about who he is. And the significance he had and the role he played for this UConn team, it was incredible. With him likely moving on, all this really means is, again, it's not surprising, okay? Um, Donovan Klingen announcing that he was going to come back, the backup center who was really good. I'll be blunt. I know he's a Connecticut kid. I know he loves the school. If he thought Adama Sonogo was coming back, I don't know that he would have as quickly made the announcement that he was coming back. So I think... We, we saw the, the Klingon announcement. Sonogo, because of it, it had to be assumed that he was going to go. We'll see if he stays in the draft, though, because, again, he's leaving his options open. Now, to be blunt, I told you this on Wednesday. This is the intel that I have gathered on Adama Sonogo. 
Right now, his intention is full speed ahead. I am entering the NBA draft expecting to stay in. I think he's hoping to play his way into the second round. I think he's hoping to start as a professional. What I can also say, I don't think he's a first-round talent in the same way I don't think Oscar Shibway or Drew Timmy is. Now, he's talented, but in the modern NBA, I don't know if he works. And so if he gets intel that he's going to be a late second-rounder, potentially undrafted, the money won't be great. Could he return to college for another year? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And again, because he's an international student, uh, uh, NIL is a little bit complicated. But UConn figured out ways this year to make sure that he got a little coin in his pocket, just like you know Kentucky figured things out for Oscar Shibway. And I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that he does return to college. Now, we talked about this on Wednesday. There's some transfer rumors with him. There's some promises being made. We discussed it. Go back on Wednesday. I know the story behind it. I talked about it on Wednesday. Yes, there is somebody out there saying that for the right price, Adama Sonogo is willing to transfer. That is not coming from Adama Sonogo himself. Again, I gave you the whole story on Wednesday, but my guess is if he does come back to college, it's a minuscule chance that he would ever play anywhere other than UConn. I think he's, you know, one, he loves UConn. Two, I think he understands the legacy component of it. You don't want to finish your career in another jersey. Um, You know, regardless of the money, you don't want to finish your career in another jersey. My guess is if I had to put uh, percentages on it, I would say 65% he pursues professional opportunities. 35%, is that right? 65 and 30, 65, so say 65% he pursues professional opportunities. 30% he returns back to college to play at UConn. 5% or less that he considers another school again. If somebody can guarantee him some crazy NIL number, I think he'd have to consider it, but I think his time at UConn is done. I think his time in college basketball is done. Let's get to some other big, uh, not transfer portal. I've been talking so much portal, it's crazy, but let's get to some other stay or go decisions. Thought there was an equally important one at Arizona on Thursday as Azulis Tubelis, runner-up, Pac-12 player of the year behind Jaime Jaquez, announced that he will be leaving Arizona to pursue professional opportunities. For me, listen, I'll say this. I don't know the psyche of Arizona fans like I do with UConn fans, but I do get the sense that this one, again, is an important, he's an important person in the history of Arizona basketball from this perspective. Like Adama Sonogo, he committed to Arizona in that spring of COVID, right when everything shut down. And what's especially interesting is, you know, he, like Adama Sonogo, committed to Arizona at a time when it wasn't cool to commit to Arizona. If you remember, Sean Miller was still at Arizona at the time. And essentially, because the NCAA investigation was going on, they were having a lot of trouble recruiting American kids. And so Sean Miller, this is the kind of bulldog that he is as a recruiter. He just said, you know what? If American kids won't commit, we got to figure out a plan B. He goes overseas and gets Azulis Tubelis and Kirk Risa to commit that spring to come be part of Arizona basketball. And so I bring it up because Tabella's committed to Arizona at a time that it wasn't cool. Played year one under Sean Miller was phenomenal. 12.7 rebounds per game as a freshman. Last year, you know, statistically didn't take a step back, but, you know, he had some injuries, didn't play well late. And then this year he really blossomed. Almost 20 points per game, nine rebounds per game, and was a second-team All-American and deservedly so. 
my understanding of the situation, and I also saw Jason Shear, a really good reporter in Arizona, put this out. Arizona tried to keep him. Um, th- this isn't a situation where, you know, there's friction between him and the coaching staff. I think he just wants to bet on himself three years of college and see what professional opportunities are out there. He's from Lithuania originally. So my understanding is, yeah, he's trying to make the NBA, but there are going to be lucrative opportunities overseas if he wants to take advantage of that. But he's gone. And now it sets up a very interesting scenario at Arizona. And again, I think they tried to keep him, tried to put together an NIL package, understanding he's an international student. That makes sense. But he's gone. And like we said with Arizona a few times now, this is officially Tommy Lloyd's program. You know, he inherited Dale and Terry, Ben Matherin, Christian Coloco. Those guys leave last year. Kirk Risa transfers. Azulis Tubelis is now leaving. And so there really isn't anybody left from the previous regime. These are Tommy Lloyd's recruits, Tommy Lloyd's guys. I think it'll be an interesting team next year. Kylan Boswell, the freshman point guard, is going to be a sophomore next year. I expect pretty big things from him. Um, nice recruiting class. KJ Lewis is a kid that I like as well. And they got to get active in the portal. You know, Ryan Nemhart is visiting this weekend. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then they got to add some scoring, some wing stuff. They have some really good young European players, Henry Visar, most specifically. And Umar Balo maybe does the fifth year. So Arizona is a really interesting team. I like them. I trust, I trust Tommy Lloyd. Uh, but it is going to look much, much, much different. No Kirk Creesa and obviously no Azulis Tubelis. For those of you who love college basketball, wasn't all bad stay or go news because there was a big piece of news that came out on Thursday as Baylor Shireman. You may remember that name. Recruitment last summer basically came down to Kentucky or Creighton, was already a fifth-year guy who played at uh, South Dakota State, chose Creighton. It was a big back and forth. Why did he choose Creighton? All that, whatever. Doesn't matter. But this was an interesting one because... What I can tell you is Creighton recruited this guy thinking he was a quote-unquote one-and-done transfer, thinking he's going to come in, he's going to fill a spot, and he's going to leave. What ends up happening? Has a good year at Creighton, isn't projecting as the NBA player that he wants to be, and in the NIL world, he is going to make very good money as a Creighton Blue Jay, that is a, a player that is from the state of Nebraska. He grew up about 45 minutes from campus. And he has decided to return for another year. This is big for a few reasons. One, he's a really good player. 13 points per game, eight and a half rebounds, three and a half assists. I actually think it's likely that he will take over the point guard duties from Ryan Nemhard, who entered the portal. Again, visiting Arizona and Gonzaga this weekend. But it's important because he's a really good college basketball player that I think if, if nothing else funky happens at Creighton, and it's always moving parts. Um, there are three other starters. Nemhart is leaving. Shireman is coming back. Um, Kalu- Arthur Kaluma, Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner, all of those guys could potentially be second-round picks. Don't know if you get all of them back, but I bring it up to say you get three, you get all three of those guys back with Shireman. That's a team to me that looks like a top 10 team in the preseason that's good enough, again, to compete at the highest levels of college basketball. So Baylor Shireman comes back, and we'll see what else happens with the roster. Steve Ainsworth, um, a transfer from Utah State, really good player. Ashworth, I think I said Ainsworth. Ashworth, um, he's actually visiting Creighton this weekend, so we'll see if he ends up committing. But um, but this is really big for Creighton. 
And I think Creighton is right up there with UConn, right up there with Marquette at the top of the Big East for next year. A couple other go decisions that are worth at least mentioning. Anthony Black at Arkansas, not surprising at all. Um, He was always going to be a one and done, was excellent. I actually thought he was probably better than he was given credit for. Average 13 points, five rebounds, four assists per game. Eric Musselman basically put the ball in his hands as a freshman and said, go make plays for me. And he did a good job. Um, You know, kind of weird season late in the year uh, with, um, you know, with Nick Smith coming back from injury, his role kind of changed. But I like Anthony Black a lot. And I like him as a pro prospect a lot. At some point, we will do some NBA draft stuff in the spring, May into June. Anthony Black's a guy that I'm probably higher on than everybody else, but Anthony Black announces he's declaring. Not surprising. We knew he was going to be a one and none. Oh, by the way, Arkansas, don't you worry. We'll get to the portal later. They picked up two big commitments. couple other go decisions. Uh, Chris Livingston. So I did a YouTube-specific uh, one on this as it pertains to him and Mackenzie Mbaco, the five-star that's now available. Chris Livingston declared. I know Calipari said all the right things about, you know, he's testing the waters and we wish him well as he pursues, you know, sees what's out there. I think he's gone. Uh, you know, one clutches his agency, Rich Paul, whatever. Rich Paul's not making money off him by keeping him at Kentucky. Um, I don't know what to say. You know, I, I, I think I'll say this for Calipari and his staff. I think they're pitching him the right thing, which is you were really, really good down the stretch. If you come back, you could be a top 10 pick next year, and you're going to make a lot more guaranteed money than leaving right now. But unfortunately, I think he's probably gone. And then finally, another guy that is definitely gone, uh, Maury Bailey from UCLA. Freshman came on really strong at the end of this season. Another really good player. Now he's one. He's probably a fringe, you know, mid-second round pick to late second round pick. Um Another year, he's like Chris Livingston. I think another year, if he comes back, we're probably talking about a potential top 10 pick. I think we're talking about a potential preseason Pac-12 player of the year. Instead, he decides to go pro. UCLA is in a very interesting spot. They just do not have a lot coming back next year. They did pick up, and this is significant, though. They did pick up an international player uh, on on uh, on Thursday, a player that you know I think trends as basically like a five-star-ish type player. Um, but UCLA need, they, they just need bodies right now. And it'll be really interesting because, um, you know, they're, they're really down to about two or three, you know, reserves from last year. We'll see if Jalen Clark, their star comes back. He's obviously recovering from Achilles injuries and UCLA has four commitments right now, plus a transfer. They don't have a lot of high end UCLA caliber players. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the portal. And it'll be interesting to see if they can add some pieces maybe through the internationals as well. I think I mentioned this the other day, but there is a rumor that, um, you know, one of the top international players overseas, uh, seven foot three center, I believe he's from Spain, is rumored to be interested in UCLA. So we'll see if that comes to fruition, but UCLA loses Amari Bailey on Thursday. All right, so what I'll do, take a quick break. When I come back, we will discuss the transfer portal. Hunter Dickinson's got some visits lined up. Ryan Nemhard's got some visits lined up. A lot going on in the portal. Going to take a quick break, talk all that good stuff, and then we'll wrap Aaron right, Aaron wrong. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a minute. But before we do, 
I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. The NBA playoffs are here and nobody has you covered quite like Betfred. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,200 shops in the UK. They have since come to the United States and made a major splash. They are not only the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres podcast and all things Aaron Torres media, but also the Cincinnati Bengals, the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Broncos. And what I love about Betfred Sportsbook is that nobody takes care of their customers quite like Betfred. You've seen the Betfred Sportsbook suite at Bengals games. It is hopping. We have sent listeners of this show to Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. Betfred betters have thrown out first pitches at Colorado Rockies games. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred Sportsbook does. And here is what they are doing for the NBA playoffs. How about this for a deal? Bet $50 on any game, all playoffs long, get up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. You automatically get $111 in free bets. But beyond that, here is what else Betfred does for you. They're going to give you up to $200 in insurance for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So, Maybe you make a bad pick. We all do. We've all been there. Trust me. You followed my picks in March Madness. It happens. So you bet 200. Doesn't work out. Get 200 insurance for the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, equating up to $1,111 in free bets thanks to Betfred. Again, nobody takes care of you like Betfred does. Love working with them. They are the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres pod. Tell them Torres sent you. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app right now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, everybody. I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Do want to switch gears, kind of keep the stay or go conversation going, but switch gears from the NBA to the transfer portal. Yes, we are doing another transfer portal segment. Uh, this is the topic of April by the way, if you love the portal, how about this? The college football portal actually opens tomorrow on Saturday. So we're going to get a lot of portal news from football as well. We'll probably discuss that at some point. Again, we'll get back to football next week. But let's stick with college basketball because the portal is humming. It's starting to die down a little bit. But there are still some very marquee players in, some very big commitments being made, some very big visits being made. So let's rip through what's going on in the portal right now. Some stuff that I've heard, what you need to know, all of that good stuff. Let's start with, I think the guy that pretty much everybody universally agrees is the best player in the portal. 
That is Hunter Dickinson. He's number one on my list, by the way. You can go to AaronTorresOnline.com for my full list of the best players in the college basketball transfer portal right now. But Hunter Dickinson, I have it number one. And I think we're finally starting to get some clarification on what his recruitment looks like. I know a few days ago there was the report about the Zoom with Arkansas and the Zoom with Kentucky and what did it all mean. But for the most part, it's been a pretty quiet recruitment. And I'll actually, you know, let me give a half a second to give credit to Hunter Dickinson. I think he knows what's at stake. I think he knows how big this decision is for him. And he's been kind of an outspoken guy as a college basketball player. He's done some kind of goofy stuff on social media, but he's mostly been very quiet, kind of taking this process seriously. And I think we're starting to get some clarification on where he could end up playing college basketball next year. And most specifically, we could end up getting the answer by the end of this weekend. That was because on his own podcast, part of the Barstool Sports feed and the Barstool Sports Network, um, Hunter Dickinson said that he will take two very important visits this weekend, one to Georgetown on Saturday, the next to Maryland on Sunday. And so that's not to say they're the only schools recruiting him or that's definitively where he's going to end up. But let's focus on those two for right now. Um, and I think for people who maybe haven't put two and two together, the reason those two schools have always made sense um, is because Hunter Dickinson is originally from the state of Maryland. So there's always been a lot of buzz about those two schools specifically. And again, he'll visit both this weekend. Now, in terms of Georgetown, I'll say this. Georgetown is both maybe the most fascinating landing spot, but also one that right now I got a little trouble seeing it actually happen. And let me explain why. Obviously, look, he left Michigan for a lot of reasons, but I assume a big part of why Hunter Dickinson left was because he didn't think the talent around him was good enough. He was tired of having to basically carry the entire program. Now, this year, he actually had two pretty good players around him, Kobe Bufkin and Jed Howard. But I I, I, get, I get the sense he kind of looked around the roster next year, said, am I going to have to do everything again? Maybe it's time for me to move on. Well, the problem with going to Georgetown is I think you're pretty much kind of going to have to do that at Georgetown as well because right now they don't really have a roster for 2023-2024. Now, they did pick up a few players out of the portal this week. We talked about it, but Jaden Epps, a guard from Illinois. Um, Rowan Brumbaugh, a wing from Texas. Also, uh, Dontre Styles, a wing from North Carolina. Those are very good building blocks. Those will be very good college basketball players and Big East players. But if you're Hunter Dickinson, you only got one, maybe two years left of college basketball if you use that COVID year. Are you really hitching your wagon to a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that really haven't done it at the highest level, let alone a first-year head coach and, and, and a program that right now doesn't have a full roster? Now, what I would also say is this. If you're asking me, with no personal bias as to where he lands, I kind of want to see Georgetown. Don't we all want to see Georgetown? Because, you know, my whole thing with Georgetown is this. It is one of, in theory, the great brands in all of college basketball. The problem is, Pretty much anyone under 40 doesn't really remember the Georgetown when Georgetown was really humming. Um, you know, I'm old enough to kind of remember the Allen Iverson years, and I know they made a Final Four under John Thompson the third. but this has not been like a big, big, big brand that has mattered in a very long time. And so for them to get Hunter Dickinson under Ed Cooley in his first summer, that would be a heck of a statement for 2023-2024. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen, but he's going to visit Georgetown. And I will say, you want that brand to matter. You want the, uh, the that arena down there in downtown. They used to call it the MCI Center. I don't even know what they call it anymore because Georgetown's been so irrelevant. You want that building to rock? Go get Hunter Dickinson, Ed Cooley. 
go get Hunter Dickinson. Now, it's also worth noting, on top of the Georgetown visit on Saturday, he will make a visit to Maryland on Sunday. And it's interesting, this particular recruitment, for a few different reasons. One, for people who follow the high school recruiting scene, Hunter Dickinson is from Maryland, and Maryland coming out of high school did not recruit him. And that was like a huge deal when it happened at the time because Hunter Dickinson went on to be a star at Michigan. His first year, they go to the Elite Eight, and they played Maryland three times. And if you remember, there was actually a fight between Juwan Howard and Mark Turgeon uh, at, you know, at the Big Ten tournament, and it was reportedly like they were kind of talking smack about Hunter Dickinson. And so I bring it up because there was real bad blood with Maryland for not recruiting Hunter Dickinson. But if he were to come full circle and end up at Maryland, that would be a wild twist to his college career. Couple things that are interesting here. One, Maryland did recently hire Hunter Dickinson's former high school head coach as an assistant. Mike Jones had been at DeMatha Catholic, the iconic high school program, then became an assistant at Virginia Tech. Now he's at Maryland. And I don't think it's a it's a coincidence that in the spring and summer of Hunter Dickinson, he ends up at Maryland. But what's also interesting about this, I would add, is that Maryland in year two going into the Kevin Willard era is much further along in terms of their development as a program than Georgetown is. You look at Maryland, they're bringing back their leading uh, returning scorer, Jameer Young. They have a very nice kind of wing low post player named Julian Reese. If the name sounds familiar, his sister is Angel Reese. You know her from LSU's national championship team. So Maryland right now, I have about 24, 25 in my way too early top 25. They add Hunter Dickinson. That's a team that that might start the year in the top 10. I don't you know, I, I don't have all I don't know if they're a top 10 team, but top 10, top 12, top 15, they're a, a legitimate contender with Hunter Dickinson. So keep an eye on Maryland. I think that one to me would be very interesting because at that point, they probably do become the favorite in the Big Ten. Uh Michigan State is right up there, but they would be up there as well. Finally, with Hunter Dickinson, what I would just say is um, you know, I saw Jeff Goodman put out Kansas as a possibility. Listen, I'm never going to criticize anybody for going to Kansas. I mean, Bill Self, in my opinion, is the best coach in college basketball right now. Um, you know, obviously, I hope, hope his health is fine, but it appears as though he's going to be back. You have a chance to go play for Bill Self. That's fine. But in terms of where I think Hunter Dickinson is going to go, I'll be blunt. I think I, I don't even think Hunter Dickinson knows at this moment where he wants to go. So it'd be unfair for me to really speculate. Again, from a brand perspective, I think it'd be pretty cool if he was the face of the Georgetown rebuild. Um, I think if I, if I was his advisor, it's hard to say no to bill self Maryland. He could be a key there, but, uh, like I said, I think we're going to start to get some clarification. I would guess it feels like pretty soon we'll start to get an answer from Hunter Dickinson. Let's keep it going because Hunter Dickinson is number one on my top transfers list. You know who number two is Ryan Nemhard from Creighton. And he himself has two visits as well this weekend. Now it's interesting about Ryan Nemhard point guard, uh, Creighton. Last two years was the starter. He entered the transfer portal about 12 and a half points per game, five assists per game. And immediately I heard one school specifically, and then really a second emerged. And the school I heard was Arizona. And the second school that emerged was Gonzaga. And those are the two schools that he is going to visit this weekend. For people who don't know the ties, Ryan Nemhard is the younger brother of Andrew Nemhard. Andrew Nemhard played at Gonzaga, uh, transferred in from Florida. Tommy Lloyd, the current Arizona coach, was his lead recruiter. Obviously, his brother played at Gonzaga under Mark Few. And so those are the ties. And, and Ryan Nemhard is one. 
I think there are guys that genu- genuinely enter the portal and they they want to hear from everybody. I don't get the sense that the Nemhard camp was really interested in going through the whole process again. I think they had targeted these two schools, and it'll be interesting to see what happens next. My intel from day one has been that Arizona is the team. Um, I, I I think that, you know, listen, this is the world we live in. I'm sure there were some sort of back-channel conversations, not accusing Tommy Lloyd, not accusing his assistants of anything, but people talk. Somebody heard something that he might not be happy there. And I think Arizona was probably aware that Ryan Emhard was going in the portal. And if I had to guess, I would think that that would be the landing spot for him. But he's another one. We should find out pretty soon. Visiting Arizona this weekend, Gonzaga this weekend. I don't suspect there will be any more visits after that. Uh, and we'll see what happens from there. A couple more transfer portal news and notes. Let's get to some commitments in a minute. Before we do one, you know, Max Abesmith, um, number three in my transfer portal rankings, by the way. Um, from Oral Roberts was the team's leading scorer and one of the nation's best scorers has averaged 20 plus points per game each of the last three years in the 2020, 2021 season. He actually led college basketball in scoring. I saw a report from on three that it appears as though Kansas state and Texas have kind of jumped out to a sort of a little bit of a, of a lead there. Kansas State obviously is the one that makes the most sense. They need a guy to replace Marquise Noel, ball in your hands, all of that. That feels like a pretty good landing spot if you can get it. Um, Kind of a nice spot between a player and a coach, a player and a system. A lot of Kansas State's other players, Keontae Johnson, Naquan Tomlin, right now are projected to be back. We'll see what happens. There's still some time to declare for the NBA draft. But I just bring it up to say that landing spot makes sense. Texas will see. Now, Texas, let me say this before we continue the transfer portal. We're going to take a little zigzag uh, when we're talking about Texas because Texas got some crazy news on, what's today? Thursday. On Thursday, as A.J. Johnson, a five-star guard, he actually announced, how about this, that he is going to go play in the Australian Pro League rather than go to Texas, was committed to Texas, was signed with Texas. He's going to Australia. And what I would say, six foot six guard, good player. All I'll say, listen, I I, I long time ago moved past the, my uh, I tell people how to live their lives. With that said, though, whoever's advising him is a freaking idiot. I'm sorry. Like, like I'm just going to say it. Whoever's advising him is an idiot, okay? Because what I would say is a couple things. One, if it's about money, I guarantee you Texas can match anything. And if it's about being a professional, if if you just say, you know what, college isn't for me, I don't want to go to school. The G League Ignite program is great. The G League Ignite program is run by a former NBA player, Jason Hart. I've talked about him many times. I have a great deal of respect for him. Um, And you're competing against other elite NBA prospects every day. Overtime elite, I think, is a better option than going overseas. But you go overseas to Australia, a couple things stand out. One... You can't like like the difference between G League Ignite and Overtime Elite and going to Australia. Those spots are developmental spots that are essentially there to make you look good as a, as a prospect. They're going to train you right, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. The Australian League is a league full of professionals fighting for opportunity. And so I bring it up because the way that I see it those are grown men. They are coming for blood. They have job. They're fighting for their jobs. 
They're fighting for their families. They're trying to put food on the table. They don't care about some 18-year-old kid. And so, again, if you want to be a professional, you don't want to go to college. Listen, I'm done saying college is the only option for an 18-year-old high school player. No. But go to G League Ignite. Stay in the United States. Think about it. This kid is going to fly all the way across the world to play in a league full of grown men, new country. I know they speak English, so the, you know, the, 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 the culture won't be as big. I just think it's crazy. But this all circles back to say Max A. Smith could be a factor at Texas, um, and we'll keep an eye on that. Really quickly, a couple other portal announcements that are worth acknowledging here. One, Arkansas. They are annually the most aggressive team in the transfer portal. I think the last stat I saw from Joe Tipton was I think they've reached out to about 80 players in the portal. Well, since we last recorded, they got commitments from not one, but two players. The first one, Khalif Battle, 6'6 guard from Temple. 21 points per game this, or 17 points per game this year, 21 points per game a year ago. And then on Thursday, and this one was a little bit under the radar. Jeremiah Davenport, about 34, 35% three-point shooter, averaged about 10 points per game at Cincinnati. He also commits to Arkansas. I just got one question for you, baby. Can anybody stop the big pick invasion? And so let's talk about it really quick because Eric Musselman is again reshaping his roster. And I truly believe that this is actually the best portal class that he has ever had. Now, he's been the portal master, the portal whisperer, dating back to the Nevada days. But you look at the classes that he's brought into Arkansas. I think this is the best one that he's brought in so far. So far, Arkansas has brought in four different guards. Um, Keon Menafield from Washington, 10 points per game, 33% three-point shooting, um, all-pac-12 freshman team, also a plus defender on the other side of the ball. Traymond Mark, double-figure scorer, Houston, number one team in the country, 6-5-6-6, plus defender, not a great three-point shooter, but a decently good three-point shooter. Now you add Khalif Battle. Six foot six, 17 points per game. Actually, it was closer to 18 at Temple. And Jeremiah Davenport. I love this group because a couple things stand out. One, Arkansas, they're adding real scoring pop to that backcourt. Keon Menafield, I think, is a guy that's going to break out next season as a college basketball star. Tremont Mark has done it at the highest level. Tremont Mark was one of the best players on a team that was ranked number one in the country and earned a number one seed this year. Khalif Battle can get you buckets. But then two, a couple other things stand out. Outside of Menafield, look at the size of those guys. Khalif Battle, six foot six, Tremont Mark, six foot five, Jeremiah Davenport, six foot seven. I've said it many times. If you do not defend, you cannot play for Eric Musselman. And so you add those guys in. That would be my guess. The biggest, longest, most most athletic backcourt in college basketball next year. And I think once Coach Musk gets them playing defense to the level that is expected, I think it's going to be lockdown, day, you know, end of story, whatever. And so I bring it up to say I love both of these commitments for Arkansas. I think both of them are going to have a big impact. They're both at a spot of need. They can both shoot. That was the big criticism of Arkansas. They struggle to shoot. Can't make three-pointers. Well, Jeremiah Davenport shot about 34% this year. But he averaged seven, I think close to seven three-point attempts per game. I think the stat was he, he averaged about eight and a half shots per game. Six and a half of them were three-pointers. So you know he's not afraid to uh, to to pull the trigger from beyond the arc. Menafield, I think, is an improving three-point shooter. Tremont Mark, et cetera. So I bring up, say, I just like this group a lot. 
And then you add it with the guys that we know are coming back. Trevin Brazil is coming back. Seven-foot rim protector, all that. Jalen Graham was all Pac-12 a few years ago. I think he has a bigger role next year. My hunch right now, it's a little early to know for sure. But as I record, and this is always subject to change, it could change tomorrow. Jordan Walsh might come back. Jordan Walsh, a big six foot seven kid, wing defender. I just think it's going to be a really, really, really good team. Now, the one guy that I think this means you might not get back is Devo Davis, who has been a tournament hero. I uh, was a tournament hero against Kansas this year, two years ago against Oral Roberts in the Sweet 16. And so I just bring it up to say that um, you're going to lose some guys, but the additions have been awesome. I really like this Arkansas team. I'll tell you, I just updated my way too early top 25. I had Arkansas at number seven before these two commitments. I might have to move them up a spot or two. This might end up being my favorite in the SEC going into next year, depending on what Kentucky and Alabama and a few others do. Alabama, by the way, they're going to get a visit from Tyler Perry, Pac-12 play, or uh, Pac-12 Conference USA Player of the Year at North Texas this weekend. And then finally, from the transfer portal perspective, how about this? We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday's show at Kentucky. Ugana Onyenso, seven footer, was mostly a pseudo red shirt this year. He was a five star in the class of 2023, reclassified and rolled this year to back up Oscar Shibwe. And so I just bring it up because he entered the transfer portal. We talked about it. It felt like there were adults in his year making the decision for him. Well, he entered the portal, and apparently the portal wasn't as profitable as the adults around him wanted. And so Agana Kingsley, Agana Oyenso Kingsley is going to come back for another year at Kentucky. But I would just say this is great news for Kentucky. Listen, this kid has a chance to be one of the elite defenders in college basketball. He is just so big, so athletic around the rim. I mean, I even remember him. He got a few minutes against Hunter Dickinson, ironically, in Michigan when those two teams played in London. And he gave Hunter Dickinson fits. And so at the very least, if nothing else, he goes in 8, 10, 12 minutes, plays great defense, protects the rim, gets you a bunch of rebounds, all that good stuff. But if he develops offensively, whew, it's a wrap. So credit to Kentucky. I thought it was important that they get this guy back. He enters the portal, but he is coming back. Only other transfer note that I can think of is uh, San Diego State did add Reese Dixon Waters was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year at USC. San Diego State also did lose Keisha Johnson, a starter on this year's team, who will enter the draft, but also consider the portal as well. Woo! That was a good transfer portal up. That was a hearty. Like, that That one, like, fills your stomach. Like, that one makes the stomach feel warm, doesn't it? All right, that's what we're going to do. Take a quick break. We're going to come back. When we come back, we are going to wrap the show. It's been a while. With America's favorite podcast segment, Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. It will be an end-of-season college basketball edition of Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. All right, everybody. Hi, back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. Final segment of the week. So good to be back. And I do want to go ahead and wrap with America's favorite podcast segment where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, and baby, this is the first time we've done this in about six weeks. So we usually do this to wrap every Friday show, fun, kind of loose way to wrap the week. But the last four or five weeks, we've had college basketball stuff. We had champ week, then three weeks of the NCAA tournament. 
Last week, it was a crazy time in the portal. So it's been about five, six weeks since we've done Aaron right, Aaron wrong. But by now, you know the drill, right? Stole this from my buddy Colin Cowherd. Colin does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And I decided to bring it to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast to highlight my best and worst takes of the week. That's right. Nobody loves uh, putting out hot takes quite like your boy Torres. Social media, Instagram, Twitter, radio, podcast, whatever. And this is a good way to keep me in check. Now, what's different about today's Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, is that this is a season-ending college basketball edition of Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong, as I go through my best and my worst takes of the 2022-2023 season. Let's get to it where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Where Aaron was right. So the first college basketball poll that came out this year, I said there are two teams that are not ranked. You can find this tweet, by the way. I'm not making it up. I'm not trying to take credit for something I didn't do. I said there are two teams that should be ranked that aren't. One, Texas A&M, which finished second in the SEC. But two, I said, how can UConn not be ranked? Now, I didn't think they were the number one team in the country. I'm not going to lie. I didn't pick them to win a national championship. But since last June, when this roster came together, I thought this team had a chance to be special. Went back and looked. I think I had them about 12, 13 in my final way too early top 25 last summer because what I saw was a team that had a definitive big guy with Adama Sinogo, wings with Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson. Anybody who listens to this show knows I've been a big Jordan Hawkins guy. And then the addition of Tristan Newton was what I thought put them into that probably second tier of teams. By October, I said, listen, this is a top 15 team. Beyond that, once they won in Portland at the PK-85, I said this might be the best team in college basketball. And oh, by the way, when I did the only five teams that can win a national championship in late February, I did a segment. I said these are the only five teams that can win it. At the time, it was the top four teams in the country, Alabama, Houston, UCLA, and Kansas at the time, and I also had UConn. So listen, I don't like to pat myself on the back too much. But I told you last summer UConn was better than people thought. I told you when the first AP poll came out, they were better than I thought than people thought. I told you they were the best team in the country back in December. And I told you they were good enough to win it a few weeks later. So where Aaron was right, I was high on those Huskies all year. Where Aaron was wrong. Here's the thing. If I'm going to give myself credit for liking them in the preseason, I got to give myself a slap on the wrist because I didn't give them enough credit going into the NCAA tournament. And I'll be honest, listen, my bracket was a disaster like everybody else's. But all I'll say is when I was filling out that bracket, I'll be blunt. Two things really stuck with me why I couldn't pick UConn. One, I was worried that the second I got excited about them in the Big East tournament, they lost to Marquette. But then two, I'll be blunt. Part of why I didn't pick them was I didn't want to look like a homer. I said, I think this might be the best team in the country. But at the same time, I ended up taking UCLA to go to the Final Four. So if I want to take credit, for saying how good they were in June, July, and August, I got to take the L that I didn't actually pick them when it mattered in March. Congrats to all of you who did in the Aaron Torres pod bracket challenge. I was not one of you, even though I was hyping this team up all year. Where Aaron was right. So speaking of June, you go back to June of last year. I said that I didn't really get the Gonzaga hype. This was one of my great all-time takes that I said a year ago, stuck with, and I ended up being right. I said, listen, Gonzaga's a really nice team. They're a nice program. I'm not anti-Gonzaga. But I said, if you think this team 
is the caliber of team that Gonzaga has had even as recently as the last two or three years prior to this one, you're dead wrong. What ended up happening? They had a really good year. They were fine. They were good. They probably overachieved to get to the Elite Eight, but their limitations were exposed not only by UConn in the NCAA tournament, but remember, they didn't win the WCC outright. They split it with St. Mary's. They lost to Baylor in the non-con. They lost to um, whoever, you know, a bunch of different teams in the non-con. This team was good. This team was fine, but I never bought the hype that they were one of the top two or three teams in the country. I, I, I said, I think, you know, I have them about six or seven. That's where they ended up being. They ended up being a three seed in the NCAA tournament. So that was one I nailed, and I'll take it a step further. I am curious, as I've said many times on this show, to see their future. I am not sold. This program is built for the long haul. Where Aaron was wrong, was dead right on Gonzaga. Unfortunately, I was also one of those suckers that bought into North Carolina. If you remember this time last year, North Carolina coming off a run to the Final Four, what did I keep saying? Well, it wasn't just the NCAA tournament. They were really good the last two months of the regular season. I forget all the stats now, but I think they were like 13-2 and two in their final 15 games or whatever. And I said, ah, don't tell me they just got hot in the tournament. This is a good team. And they were my preseason pick to win the national championship. I, yeah, just one problem. They stunk. I mean, they, were, they weren't good. Like, literally opening night, I remember watching them being like, something doesn't seem right. And they never really got momentum, and they never really got going. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that based on the preseason hype by guys like me, based on, oh, by the way, being ranked number one in the first AP poll, I think you can argue that this was maybe one of the most disappointing teams, not just this season, but it isn't an exaggeration to say. In the history of college basketball, this might have been one of the most disappointing teams of all time. Yes, they were my preseason number one. Yes, I picked them to win the national championship. And yes, I was dead, dead, dead wrong on North Carolina. Where Aaron was right. Hate to brag, but I think I sort of might have talked the Rick Pitino to St. John's thing into existence. No big deal. Hall of Fame coach. I may have on this podcast basically spoken it into existence. As a matter of fact, this is one of my all-time favorite comments. This came on the YouTube channel, on the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel. This came from Scott Adcock, who said, Patino to St. John's doesn't happen without Aaron Torres. Dude deadass convinced everyone it was a good idea, including Rick Patino himself. Hashtag the Torres effect. So one, thank you to Scott Adcock. And two, I'll just say this. It's so funny how life works out. It's so interesting just because it was something that I just tweeted in passing when Rick Petit went when St. John's was losing on a random Tuesday or Wednesday night in January. And then it became a thing and it kept growing and it kept building and it kept building and it kept building. And then all of a sudden you look up, Rick Petino is your head coach at St. John's. So I think I was probably the first one to put that out there. It ended up happening. I looked really smart. I got to take a little bit of credit. Uh, I am a little bit of a, uh, is hero too big of a word to use in the St. John's community? But regardless, I did speak it into existence. By the way, if you want your big Rick Energy t-shirt, you can get it at Aaron Torres online. Where Aaron was wrong. Okay, so if I'm going to take credit for Rick Pitino, I just got to admit I was way, way, way wrong on the Chris Beard situation and his future in coaching. We've gone through it. We don't need to relitigate everything. But when Rick Pitino was arrested, or when Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino was not arrested. Let's be clear on that. 
When Chris Beard was arrested, I said, look at that police report. Look at what came out in that police report. And we all remember the details. I said, this guy isn't going to survive at Texas. And this guy, I don't know if he'll ever coach college basketball again. And at the time, and I don't mean to go through serious stuff, but there were, let me just say, if you read the police report at the time, because I know there's people that listen with their kids and their children and whatever. Let me just say, if you read that police report, you said, nobody is going to be able to hire that guy. What I do think I underestimated, and I said, by the way, even if the charges are dropped, doesn't matter. He's not coaching college basketball anytime soon. What I think I underestimated, though, was this. I think that sports can sometimes be ahead of trends societally. And I think right now I saw this in sports this offseason. I think schools now are will. I think schools have realized, right? If we hire a controversial person, we're going to get crushed for it for a day or two or three. And if we just stand our ground, everybody's going to move on to everything else. So think about this offseason. Chris Beard gets hired at Ole Miss. I'm not comparing what he did, but Will Wade got hired at McNeese State. Rick Pitino got hired at St. John's. Hugh Freeze got hired at Auburn. All these guys with different issues in the back, some of them NCA, some of them personal, some of them legal like Chris Beard. And I think this is the new world. If there is a coach that has proven that he can win, I think the 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 cycle to get him a job is going to continue to get quicker and quicker and quicker. At the end of the day, Ole Miss just basically looked there and said, we will never be able to get a guy like Chris Beard ever. Let's take the um, negative negative feedback. Let's take the negative headlines for a day or two, and then everybody's going to move on and get mad about something else. So I'll own it. I said, I didn't know if Chris Beard would ever coach college basketball again. Uh, yeah, it took him about six weeks to get his next head coaching job. Where Aaron was right. I'll just tell you, I've been right on Purdue forever. And I remember talking about this Purdue thing two years ago when they lost in the NCAA tournament to St. Peter's. I said, wait a second now. Everybody's crushing John Calipari for losing to St. Peter's in the first round. He deserved it. But how about Purdue in the Sweet 16 with a week to prepare, uh, to prepare knowing how good St. Peter's was losing to St. Peter's? Why is no one criticizing Purdue? And so all year long, I kept saying, I said, I don't think this team is very good. They're doing what they have to do to win in the NCAA or to win in the regular season. They're not built to win in March. Follow it up, lose it as a one seed to a 16 seed, Fairleigh Dickinson. This after losing to a 15 seed a year ago and a 13 seed the year before in the 2021 NCAA tournament bubble. I have been on this Purdue thing. Don't sell me on who they are. Don't sell me on the regular season. I understand that not everybody can win in March. But I need a little bit more results than from Matt Painter than 17, 18 years as head coach, one Elite Eight, zero Final Fours. I was dead right on that. Really quickly, a couple other ones where Aaron was wrong. You know, I'll just own it. Marquette, Big East regular season champ. Marquette, Big East tournament champ. Shaka Smart may have found his, his niche in college basketball. Now listen, I think the hype is still, you know, he's still, this is kind of a crazy stat on Shaka. Since his Final Four run in 2011, he's still only won one NCAA tournament game or two NCAA tournament games since then. But I bring it up to say I thought this guy was wildly overrated at Texas. It turns out it might just be a Texas thing. We just talked about the whole situation with AJ Johnson, Rodney Terry, etc. But Texas is a different place. It's a different beast. Shaka seems to have found his spot. 
Credit to Shaka. I was wrong. He has already exceeded any expectation I had for him at Marquette. Big East regular season champs, Big East tournament champs, currently number three in my way too early top 25. Credit to Marquette. Finally, where Aaron was right, listen, Nate Oates, we can criticize, we can criticize how he handled the Brandon Miller situation. We've talked about that again and again and again. But on the court, this guy is a savant. This guy is a genius. This guy is one of the top probably five coaches in college basketball right now. For the second time in three years, SEC regular season title. For the second time in three years, SEC tournament title. Sweet 16 appearance. Now, I understand as the number one seed, you want to go a little bit further than the Sweet 16. But what he has done for Alabama basketball, the interest that he has created is through the roof. Alabama reached number one in the country at one point today. And this was a guy that I said from day one, I said, he's going to work at Alabama. Great coach. If, if you can win at Buffalo, remember, he won at Buffalo. They were a 13 seed. They upset Arizona. The next year, how about this? They were a six seed in the NCAA tournament. They won like 30-something games. I said, if you can win 30-something games at Buffalo, you're going to have success at Alabama. Credit to Nate Oates. Great, what is it, fourth season in Alabama. Second SEC regular season title, second SEC tournament title. Finally, where Aaron was wrong. So I said from the beginning, I thought Kenny Payne was the guy for Louisville. Now, listen, they had to kick the tires on Bruce Pearl. They had to kick the tires on all these other guys. But Bruce Pearl got a contract extension. Nate Oates, you couldn't get out of his buyout. And when it became clear that the pool was maybe a little bit limited, I said, I thought Kenny Payne was the right guy. I thought it would work. Recruiter, blah, 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 this and that. Yeah. They finished 4-28 overall and were statistically the worst team in the history of the Ken Palm era. Now, the good thing is, Kenny Payne is starting to ramp up recruiting. They got Sky Clark. They got the Dennis Evans kid, seven-footer from California. They got a few other guys that should have impact next year. But I said I thought Kenny Payne would be the guy. I thought he would figure it out. That was one of the worst high-major college basketball teams I've ever seen, and it remains to be seen if Kenny Payne really is the right guy for Louisville. All right. I think that's it for today's episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I do think it's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, I want to thank you guys and girls. Thank you again. March was incredible. April is ramping up to be a historic April for the Aaron Torres pod in terms of total consumption of this show, YouTube, and, and podcast downloads. So thank you all for what you do for me. Uh, if you're not subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, full episodes there, make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Thank you guys and girls for listening. It's time to get out of here. So with that said, shout out to Torker. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head unblock me, bro. I will be back on Monday. New episode. Aaron Torres pod. We'll probably be talking a little bit of football next week as well. So be ready for that.